We have hope. Hope that things can get better. And they will. You called it Jesse James. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Oh, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzle cast, welcome back to Star Wars Rebels. We're back in business, baby. Post-Star Wars celebration. Don't start your episode quite yet. We are doing Season 3, Episode 13, Warhead. I hope you enjoyed uh, my uh, commentary for uh, the two, uh, two-part two episode about Saw Gerrera, Ghosts of Geonosis 1 and 2 with Simi Klimo. Actually recording this before, um, but will be released after, so everything stays in order. Um, I'm going to count you guys in and... Uh, um, in the future, from now until the end of season four, when I finish all these babies, um, I, I'm going to do a count in uh, just for those of you who aren't listening to all of them. Uh, I just wanted to let you know, Celebration was amazing. Um, I'm doing a two-part podcast with Simi. that um, should be out. Both parts should be out already. One is a recap of all the awesome trailers and news to come out. And then, of course, uh, Ghost of Geonosis parts one and two, uh, which is Star Wars Rebels season three, episodes 11 and 12, with Forrest Whitaker debuting uh, in the voice of Saw Gerrera um, and uh, just wanted to let you know that because I was really busy with other podcasts and just other business and life stuff I had to put this on hold for a little bit um, but now uh, leading up to episode 9 uh, I'm going to finish all these up and now that Clone Wars is unfortunately off Netflix and we have to wait for Disney Plus I think Simi's going to be on a bunch of the Star Wars Ripples uh, commentaries um, we're not stopping Clone Wars because there's still three amazing arcs involving Ahsoka, Anakin, Darth Maul Mandalore and so forth um, but but I am going to be prioritizing Star Wars Rebels again you can check them all out at thebizzlecast.com uh, and look for a playlist um, called the Bizzles Daily Rebels um, also available on the main feed if you subscribe anywhere or you can search Bizzlecast um, and get all those episodes um, so this is Star Wars Daily's, uh, Daily Rebels is back um, and so I uh, just wanted to let you guys know I had an amazing time uh, at uh, Star Wars Celebration, as you'll hear in my podcast with Simi. I also have one with Jedi Geek Girl, which may or may not be released um, f- before this. Um, if, if we record, um, so it's right now it's Thursday, April 18th. Um, I think I'm going to be recording this Saturday with Jedi Geek Girl and releasing almost immediately. So um, if it's out or not, look for it and, and listen to it because we're going to go into a much deeper dive. Simi and I are mostly just going to talk about The Mandalorian, Clone Wars, and Episode Nine trailers um, and a little overview of how the whole thing went. But uh, um, Jedi Geek Girl and I, who got to hang out there, um, and, and she did even way more than me. She went to a lot more of the the, the con than I did. We're going to talk about our favorite moments, which is pretty much everything. Uh, there was only one downside, uh, just to tease. It had to do with the Episode One uh, panel being underwhelmed on the final day I wasn't there I know uh, JGG was disappointed and a lot of people were disappointed about it but pretty much everything on stage and within the crowd was spectacular it was so positive so enthusiastic huge standing ovations for Kelly Marie Tran and Ahmed Best who played Jar Jar two people who have you know in, in very different ways um, had a very hard time of, of, of it um, uh, for reasons that are not their fault Ahmed Best of course has been dealing with this for 20 years and it was a beautiful thing to see him get so many ovations Kelly Marie Tran post last 
Last Jedi because she her character you know wasn't the most loved and of course being a woman and a person of color she kind of disappeared from public limelight um, and she must have been so nervous and, and Jada Geek Girl and I will talk about what an amazing experience it was uh, to see her get multiple standing ovations and her just crying tears of joy that so many of us love her and appreciate what she's done and she's going to be even more kick-ass in episode 9 which I am super excited for so okay cue your podcast up I haven't done this in a while I just got my microphone back today guys I've been using my headset for a while well my mic got repaired it seems to be working great hopefully this sounds good um, and I'm not overloading it on the sound I'm very excited to be back with my normal setup I've got again season 3 episode 13 Warhead Star Wars Rebels comes immediately after the two part Ghost of Geonosis which like I said I will have done with Simi Um, so queue up uh, your uh, DVDs Blu-rays or digital files I'm using a digital file Um, get past the Disney XD part Um, in about 4 seconds you're going to see a bunch of Star Star Destroyers or or Cruisers you know many Star Destroyers Um, about 4 seconds in um, I I think if you're watching the DVD you won't have that so you'll start right at 0 I'll do less of an explanation as we go forward but since I haven't done one in a while I figured I'd clue you guys in to that whole thing get subtitles on a little bit of ambient sound and this is going to be super fun because this is Zeb episode and Zeb has two of the best episodes ever in season 2 he doesn't have a lot in season 3 or 4 but this is one of them and if it's the one I I think it is it's absolutely hilarious uh, with, with Zeb um, and so thank you so much for joining me sticking with the Bizzle cast uh, after taking a few months hiatus I jumped back in and my hits are going up again and you guys are seem to be enjoying it so thank you so much Star Wars is better than ever and, key and I, I continue to be more and more excited and optimistic about it um, but when it comes to Star Wars and Lucasfilm under the the, the aegis of uh, Kathleen Kennedy um, aka God um, or Goddess um, running Lucasfilm uh, we're totally back on track we got rid of most of the haters and people are pumped for the future certainly the Clone Wars and so Simi and I are going to keep bringing you Star Wars Rumbles and uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars in preparation for Disney Plus launching this fall with The Mandalorian yes but also either at the end of this year early next year with Star Wars The Clone Wars final season either 6 or 7 depending on your counting but man the Siege of Mandalore with Ahsoka and Maul and yes I've been calling this for well over a year and a half but I'm still super thrilled and the footage they showed is unbelievable Um, but I still love Star Wars Rebels I watch this a ton and so I guess I just stopped talking. Bizzle, shut up, Bizzle, shut up, Bizzle. Let's get into the episode 13, Warhead. Uh, queue up if you need to. And here I'm going to say three, two, one, go. When I say go, you hit play and we should be aligned pretty well. Pretty, pretty, pretty good to quote Larry David. So here comes the countdown. Three, two, one, and go. All right. Look at these beautiful Star Destroyers or cruisers, whatever the hell's going on. So... There's a lot of standalone episodes in, in season three, and, and so they blend together a little bit. All right, we got an escape shuttle here. Oh, this is a droid. Right. So this is, I think this is Zeb w- with the droids trying to figure out how to stop. Uh, oh, an android. Okay. Okay. This is called an Imperial Infiltrator Droid, voiced by David Accord. They continue to find amazing voice actors, even for these small roles, including droid roles. And so I think this guy, because he looks so innocent, they're not sure what to do with him at first, but he turns out to actually be a giant warhead. Proceeding to investigate, I'm going to turn up the volume a little bit. 
check my levels since it's been a while since I've done these and had my mic back. I'm very thankful for it. Here are the, the spider creature-y things, um, which are, are very cool because they, they don't look just like Shelob, even though they sort of move like Shelob and other giant spiders. Oh, great to be back with you guys. Here we go. No dialogue yet. I think my subtitles are working. A-wings, ghost. Here we go. Wedge, young wedge. Yeah, baby. Man, Poe was supposed to be the better wedge. Poe in episode seven is awesome. Took a big step back in eight, but you can already tell from the episode nine trailers, Poe is going to be kicking ass on land, air, sea, and space. Right, Zeb always wants to go on the mission. I'm sure Ezra's going to make fun of him here. I just, I don't necessarily remember it, but it just always works that way. Right, you have Chomp and AP5. So I mentioned in an earlier podcast, again, it's been a while since I did all the ones leading up to this one, uh, but AP5 is another character that was very annoying grading uh, when I first saw him and now is one of my favorites because he takes C-3PO to a whole new level. He's actually way more useful than C-3PO, but he's also got an even bigger stick up his robotic butt. Lift heavy things and punch. <laughs> he sums up Zeb. And so, well, you know, well, they all love Chomper. They're always going to give him a hard time, and he's always going to give them a hard time. This is actually the bonding episode between AP5 and Zeb. And while they do phase out AP5 a little bit as the rest of the series goes on, in the middle end of season three, as they need some, you know, filler episodes, like, why not just throw this crazy, neurotic, annoying, but hilarious droid with Chopper and Zeb? Yeah, exactly. He's already bringing Ch Chopper and Zeb together because they can't stand this guy. You know, they keep giving BB-8 BB uh, friends in the comics, and now we're definitely seeing BB-8 with a new buddy in Episode 9, which is nice. Commanding. Right. So he loves being the commander of the mission, especially when it's not Ezra, and Ezra gives him a hard time, and he can boss Ezra around. He doesn't like being the commander on the base. Um, but this is important to show that when, when the shit hits the fan, he may not be the smartest, but his instincts will always help them in the end. Um, but also that he can command in different ways. I mean, this is a much bigger responsibility, and this is a growing episode for Zeb. He sees this as just like, oh, I can lay back and everything's fine. Of course, between the Bendu and the spiders, I'm not sure he fully realized how dangerous this planet is, even without the murder dro uh, warhead droid coming. That's what I thought. So this show, of course, the special effects and music gets super loud. I'll try and control it. Uh-oh. Oh, man. It's really hard to kill those spiders. They fired lasers like crazy. Yeah, they think it's a me... Yeah. I mean, they're like, did a meteorite take this thing out? I mean, they haven't been able to kill them as far as I can tell. Um, I'm assuming lightsabers have or would kill them. Oh. he ca Okay, so the spider thought he captured the droid. And here it starts. Right. Droids are never truly dead as long as their circuitry can be fixed. Um, and uh, for a human who are trying to live forever, of course, the question is, can we preserve the mind outside the body? That's for another podcast. <laughs> of course you disagree and want to trash it. Yep. Yep. Oh, wait, she did it. Yeah, he's insulting Chopper about his command, just like he would Ezra. You know, Ezra, Zeb, and, Droy uh, Ezra, Zeb, and Chopper are always going at each other. It's usually out of love, although Chopper gets so murderous at times, it's hard to know. So this is great because, you know, at this point in the season, we know that, that 
Callus is Fulcrum and has been giving them help directly face-to-face and transmissions. So it's not mysterious like Ahsoka was as Fulcrum in Season 1. So now the question is, how long is he going to stay embedded before he's discovered? He does not know. Callus should suspect that... Theron not only suspects, let's put it this way, Kalos should suspect that Theron suspects, at least, but he should be able to sum up Theron enough that Theron probably knows. He's had an opportunity already to escape as Kalos, I think, He's trying to work on the inside. And I, th- I think in this episode, what's cool is, well, you know, well, he has to go through with this mission so he doesn't blow his cover. He, you know, he's crossing his fingers behind his back that, that doesn't actually kill them all. Um, and, and he ends up thank- or congratulating them at the end for, you know, shooting the warhead back at the, at the Empire and destroying a bunch of their shits. But I don't think he helps them. I think this is all just the droids and Zeb figuring it out. Here we go. It's like data coming back with this neural network or whatever the hell they call it. Where do you come from? God, my microphone is so compressed, I forgot. Acting weirdly in my ear holes. Armory munitions, proton torpedoes. Uh Uh-huh. Right. This is a great bit here. He completely sums up right their inventory, especially their weapons and armory stuff. It, yeah, it, that's AP5's job. Yeah. AP, yeah, he appears to be a logistics droid. AP5 has to appreciate the efficiency of his, inv- his, his uh, collecting and analyzing inventory. I mean, this is a great, you know, usually with the Empire, all the murder bots they send are, look immediately evil and they know they're Imperial. This is definitely the way to do it. Um, this is a little Star Trekky, actually, because uh, we've seen data, but also humans like Jordy be programmed, by, uh, reprogrammed against their knowledge or against, and or against their will by you know Klingons and Romulans. Um, and so, seeing it through the digital eyes of the Murderbot here, um, uh, the Infiltrator Droid, I guess he's called. Um, you know, and by the way, in that same scene, the voice over the, the over the comm, which was a rebel, is the same guy who's doing the infiltrator droid. I mean, these voice actors are just amazing. All right, here's uh, okay. So Fulcrum does warn them. Yep, yep. Fulcrum's, and of course, Zeb knows exactly who Fulcrum is because he's the one who accidentally turned Callus last season in the honorable ones. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the show moves so fast. We're, we're a third in, seven and a half out of, you know, 22. And now they're already having to solve the problems. Thank God for Fulcrum. Yeah. Okay. I had forgotten that. Fulcrum at least needed to warn them about it so they knew to look, they knew to look for it. Now, AP5 is going to start, yeah, crushing on this Detroit who he thinks is like a partner in crime for inventory management. Yeah. He, he wants the extra help. Yeah. And because Zeb was the one to turn Callus, and he's helped them multiple times, and they bonded, he knows to trust Callus immediately, or or enough to to be suspicious. Right? Rebel base identified. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Exd nine. I'll never remember that. I'm just gonna call it the infiltrator droid. Mm-hmm. Uh, here we go. So I think this was a. Was this pre-K2SO? I mean, K2SO was the first time we saw a super tall, thin droid 
normally their human size at best are smaller for practical reasons because they don't want droid uprisings like we saw in the Solo film. Um, but now he's full-on murder bot droid. He's just hiding. But they actually don't know how bad this is really going to get if they don't get rid of him. Mm-hmm. A little Inspector Gadget going on. A little Ghost in the Shell. This is a very innovative design. Um, you know, again, they film these so long before they air, even more than the movies. So it's hard to know if this came first or designed for K2SO, but having these much taller droids, you know, who are armed and dangerous is much cooler than everyone looking like R2-D2 or C-3PO, which has mostly been the case to this point. I mean, BB-8 is, you know, R2-D2 size and, and quality. Ooh, gooey goo. Uh-oh, is that explosive goo? And AP-5 here, and that we see a lot of C-3PO lookalikes in the original trilogy. Um, now, we do get a, a feminine but large uh, K-3. Is that her name? K-7, K-3? I always forget her name. Lando's <laughs> lover or best buddy with feelings uh, in Solo, who I've been saying, you know, pretty much... <laughs> I don't love that droid, not because she's feminine and not because of the robot rebellion, both of those things I like, uh, but because her the, what they do with her voice electronically and how high it is in frontal, front it is in the mix, it just really bothers my eardrums to the point where I have to like adjust the volume when I'm watching Solo. Um, nevertheless, her scene with Amelia Clark, who plays Kira, you know, at a quiet moment in the cockpit of together in the cockpit of, uh, of, uh, of the Falcon. And, you know, Kira's trying to understand the romantic feelings that, that, that Lando's droid has for him. And she's like, it just, it's just us now, you know, and, and how it'll, it would never work out, you know, between the two of them. And, oh man, uh, that is some great comedic stuff. Yeah. So AP5 is now somewhat believing that this is a problem. And he's right that Zeb shouldn't just start shooting something that is clearly, if not a giant bomb, then full of, you know, explosive materials. <laughs> Can you shut it down? Right. Another standalone episode that in rewatches of this series is great because, you know, like I said, the Clone Wars three, four, five episode arcs with these huge battles over and over again gets exhausting. And Rebels gets darker and darker as the seasons go along. And the Ahsoka stuff in two is great. The Thrawn stuff in three and four is great. The Inquisitors, you know, all of Thrawn's people, etc. You need other other villains to fight and you need some of your side characters like chomper and zeb to fight them and this is the perfect way now at the end of this i believe uh, zeb tries to act like it was no big deal like he's embarrassed but he does a great job solving this problem with an assist from fulcrum here comes the bow i forget what they call it his his bow staff which is like a religious icon in addition to a great weapon that's reminiscent of the dual purpose staff slash lipo of Donnie Yen's chirrut. Sorry if this is loud. Uh-oh. Scrambled eggs time. <laughs> He's going to scramble some rebels. <laughs> I love, love, love Steve Blum who plays Zeb. Apparently, Steve, like Steve Blum had been in so many things that he almost became a caricature. Not a caricature, but it was like, oh, Steve Blum's in yet another of his 800 credits. But Zeb is a truly unique character. 
that you can't really hear when you hear Blum in person. I mean, D. Bradley Baker, you can, you can, without, even though it doesn't have a New Zealand accent, you can sort of hear the voice of all the millions of clones that he plays. Uh, Zeb is really a great, um, performance. And as I said before, and I'll keep saying it, I love all the Zeb episodes because of Zeb. And he's a much more interesting, complicated character, especially on repeat watchings. I wish we would get more of this. Like this episode would not be nearly as fun or interesting or cool or just funny to me if it was if it was Ezra or, or Sabine. This had to be a Zeb episode, especially because these guys start working together. I also love this episode because it's just an A-line. All the other Rebels are on a mission, and they don't cut to that other mission, and other than a little fulcrum uh, two or three times, it's just these guys. And when you have 22 minutes, sometimes you don't need to be jumping between two or three different you know, groups of characters. You just stay with these characters. They're having one adventure that takes you know, probably about the same amount of time as we're taking watching it, 20 minutes, maybe an hour. It's fun. Uh-oh, Zeb's starting to get the goofy smile, mischievous look. Uh, yeah, they love the upside-down shots, you know. It's great. There's the uh, George Lucas Star Wars alphabet, which I should know, but I don't know what that says. It's Imperial anti-capture fail-safe. Okay, so the droid is supposed to kill them as like a giant murder droid bot, but still on two legs. Uh, and if that doesn't work, then just blow it, blow it up. I assume th- that the Empire assumes that after he kills a bunch of rebels, he will be brought down eventually and then explode. These guys are luckily, well, you know, as bizarre as this trio is, Chomper, AP5, and Zeb are actually the most well-equipped in some ways and prevent rebels from dying. And now they freeze them to, to help prevent the explosion to buy us time. All right. All right, before it detonates. Manual labor. <laughs> Zeb specialties manual labor. That's actually more an insult to AP5 for being lazy, although he's not so mobile or strong. Yeah, he can barely get from underneath that thing, which probably weighs twice what he does. Yeah, Zeb's thinking. Yeah, think, Zeb, think. I love this. When he really has to think, he comes up with it. This might take a while, says AP5. Zeb's got it. Zeb's got it. Yeah, wipe its memory. Mm, okay, so it'll set off the bomb. Nor can I disarm the warrant. Right, one way or another it's going to explode. Now Zeb's going to come up with it. Here it comes. Yep, here comes the Eureka. If this was a comic book, there'd be giant ex- exclamation points above his head. Right, restart the countdown. Reconnect the Imperial Network. AP5's intrigued. Yeah, send it back from where it came from. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does more than that. This is a spectacular victory. But what's great is this whole season is about Thrawn letting Rebels win small to medium-sized battles and letting Callus go because he knows that Callus is a traitor. But better to let Callus communicate with the Rebels. And with each new incident... He's able to narrow the solar systems down, and we see his star map over the course of the season. Thrawn, that is, start narrowing, narrowing, narrowing. I think after this, he gets down to like nine planets or 30 planets, something relatively small. You know, he's starting to close in on the sector. So while this is a giant short-term victory for the rebels, even Thrawn has to be slightly pissed about this. Nevertheless, 
Theron's long game is that they will overcome all of these small obstacles and throw it back in various ways to the Empire here very literally, but it just helps Theron narrow things down. And I think the problem is Thrawn, the character and the actor, Lars Mikkelsen, Mads Mikkelsen's brother, is is great enough as a villain to span season three and four. But they already have a giant battle at the end of this one, which the rebels win because of the Bendu, but still under suspicious circumstances. Up oh, now they're out in the wilderness with the spiders, right? But they have got the little uh, pokey uh, radar thing to keep the spiders away from them temporarily. Um, is that you know they have to do a reset at, for season four where Theron loses when he thinks he has them on this on Garel here and reset and find them again, but you know that's that's <laughs> the Rebel and Empire. I mean, the Empire has so many more resources that it can afford to lose, you know, major battles, lose a first de- first Death Star, win at Hoth. You know, they mostly are winning in Empire Strikes Back, other than Vader doesn't get Luke. Uh, but they got Solo. Um, and, you know, even though the, the Rebels technically win after the destruction of Second Death Star, Return of the Jedi, we have learned slowly over the past however many years with both the new trilogy and in the literature that the First Order was already forming in the background because it was essentially created by some of Palpatine's people that we never see on screen, but we see in the literature, who escape um, uh, uh, Endor. Some of them are at Endor and escape. Some of them aren't even at Endor, and they go to the outer rim and over out, over you know the next two to three decades start forming what becomes the First Order. We'll have to save that for Episode Nine discussion because Palpatine's coming back, guys. It's not a spoiler. It's at the end of the trailer, and Ian McDermott even walked out at celebration to prove to us that it's it was real and it was definitely Palpatine's voice. Although we'll see if it's actually Palpatine. So here we go. So they send it back. Here it comes. Yep, here's the guy in the, with the Death Star radiation gear. The backwards hats. And we're almost done this episode. I mean, it flies by. These episodes fly by. Uh, these poor guys. Uh, here comes the countdown. I guess these are numbers. Oh, my. <laughs> God, is callous so lucky. He's, you know, Kalos is doing a great job at faking being still a pro-imperial rebel hater. But there's the smile. <laughs> All right. And here, here Zeb has a look like I was causing trouble. I'm embarrassed. But they did great work. Oh, they were on an exercise. Yep. It made me nothing. Oh, because they don't have the confirmation that they won yet. Here it comes. And whatever the emotional reactions of the other four, (laughs) nothing to do with what, Kanan, they've got to be proud about their droids and Zeb. I can only assume you found and reprogrammed the lost infiltrator I warned you of. Well, as you no doubt planned, the droid did self-destruct on its return to base. (laughs) Yeah, you have my congratulations. He doesn't know how he pulled it off. Congratulations. Fulcrum out. Nice work. Uh, it's sort of a long story. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, it's kind of a long story. That's great. Oh, man. Yeah, AP5 is going to brag about all this. Captain Aurelius, we're on the drive back. Right. I guess Zeb's embarrassed that he didn't figure it out sooner. Man, this is glorious, though. Destroying a Star Destroyer. And, and here it comes. Here comes the star map. And I remember Thrawn knows Callus is probably or definitely the traitor. 
So they're both acting here. Right. Thrawn's going to say that's ingenious. Right. No, Callus says it's ingenious. Thrawn says I'm inclined to agree. It's good for the rebels. These guys aren't on the same side at this point, even though they're acting like it, because that's a lot of brain power. Loss, you say? Right. Now, it's interesting that Thrawn tells Callus that this was actually okay for them because it's uh, he's narrowing down the planets. Right. Uh, this is the big jump from thousands of systems to... Uh-huh. 94, which is still a very low number compared to the galaxy. And he's closing in on the sector. That's easy to find between 94 with their, their resources. That's how they find Hoth. Yep. There it is. There it is. Um, I, I wonder if he's transmitting something to Callus by telling him. Because Callus should would now immediately go to the rebels. I guess that's the point. Thrawn now wants... Callus, who doesn't realize Theron's onto him, to go to the rebels so that he can narrow down further, because every type of communication that happens, accidental or otherwise, helps him narrow it down. So thank you so much for joining me. I'm going to keep going here. The Trials of the Darksaber and the Legacy of Mandalore. Oh, baby. With Sabini Bean. Uh, man, Mandalore. There's so much to talk about post-celebration with the Mandalorians, but you'll have to listen to my podcast with Simi and Jedi Geek Girl for that. Uh, thank you so much for joining me for this uh, for, Bizzle's uh, first back at Daily Rebels in a long time. Um, and uh, I hope you enjoyed the one with Simi, which goes to Geonosis, and going to move, push on forward to the end of season three. So for now, I've been the Bizzle. You guys have been awesome. Thank you for joining me. Uh, may the force be with you. But for now, the Bizzlecast is out.